Welcome to Bleeding Ink. I want to give you something real quick to kick things off. Tim Grawl is my guest today, but he's got an amazing podcast called The Story Grid, where he teams up with Sean Coyne, an excellent and veteran book editor, about how to write stories. Okay, And this applies to fiction, to nonfiction, mostly to fiction, but this stuff is golden, and I wished I had it back when I first started writing. I'm going to play a clip for you where the two are riffing on some uh, how scenes work in a story. It's excellent stuff. I hope you enjoy it, and then we'll launch into the show. You know, in Story Grid, you talk about like there needs to be the beginning, middle, build, and payoff of the book, but then there needs to begin be you know an inciting incident. So the beginning, middle, and end of each um, of scene. each act, yeah, yeah act and then and down scene. to each scene. So you're describing that like. That progression. Yeah, that progression in that inciting incident scene. Right, exactly. Okay. It's like, these are all sort of like those those Russian doll, you know, things. Okay, yeah, where they stacked inside yeah. of each other. They're all stacked inside each other. And this is the brilliant, beautiful, wonderful thing about story, is that you use the principles at every level of story. You l- use them from the beat to the scene to the sequence to the act to the you know, subplot to the global story. And they all have the same form. They all begin with something that throws the lead character or the group of characters, their lives out of balance. There is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed and bleed and bleed. What's this? Bleeding Ink. A podcast for indie authors with J.S. Leonard. Welcome to episode eight of Bleeding Ink, a show where I interview remarkable writers and related creatives and help you achieve publishing success, writing success, all that great stuff. Tune in every other week and be sure to visit bleedingink.fm. That's .fm, not .com. To subscribe to the show, receives tools, tips, and updates for all of your author needs. It's available on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you love it, please throw me a bone, go out there, rate the show. It helps me so much and it helps me make this show even better. And I love it and I appreciate it. And I hope you're loving it too. And for all the links we uh, reference in the episode, you can also go to bleedingink.fm to uh, check those out. Anyways, so I hope you enjoyed the Story Grids clip earlier. I, I can't recommend that show enough. Um, today, I interview Tim Grawl, who is in the Story Grid. Um, and a quick announcement. Uh, we're giving away 10 editions of his book, your first 1,000 copies. 10, okay? This is an excellent chance for you to grab a copy. If you haven't read it and you're a writer and you want to sell books, it's something you have to get your hands on. Highly recommend it. Head over to bleedingink.fm and click on the uh, episodes page and the giveaway form will be there. You've got two weeks from the date this episode is published to enter. So don't let Tim Grawl's boyish smile and kind exterior fool you. He is relentless. Sure, relentlessly helpful, but too when attacking insurmountable goals. He orchestrates ruthless plans, beats down the door of the finest mentors, lays bare his flaws for critique, and finds every shortcut to wrangle success in the shortest possible time. At his core, Tim is an artisan blend of marketer and scientist, and damn good ones at that. And we need more Tims in the bookselling world. Full disclosure, I work with Tim on my own book launches and author platform. I turn to him for advice. You can thank Tim for this very podcast. It was his suggestion. His counsel continues to deliver, and its only limitation is in how I perform it, not in the guidance itself. He's helped a million of best-selling authors. Hugh Howey, Chip and Dan Heath, Michael Moss, Charles Duhigg, and Daniel Pink, just to name some notable characters. And what's worked for them will work for you. Now, Tim's book, Your First 1,000 Copies, should live on every author's bookshelf. His new podcast, The Story Grip of Sean Coyne, should be cued on every writer's audio player. This man is abound with content that will help you sell more books, connect with a larger audience, and write better. Here's our interview, and I hope you love it. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. I have Tim Grawl today, an awesome guy who's helped a lot of authors sell a lot more books. Stoked to have you, Tim. Thanks so much for appearing on Bleeding Ink. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tim, you have, you've written a book, your first 1,000 copies. I've read it. It's phenomenal. You've coached tons of bestsellers. Um, uh, sorry, coached tons of authors into bestsellers. And you've now started a, uh, a podcast to help writers write. And I really want to launch into that later because I'm in love with it. But one thing I do want to say, though, is for everyone who's listening, you should thank Tim. If you like, if you love bleeding ink, you got to thank Tim because Tim's the one that told me to start a podcast and I couldn't be happier that he suggested it. So there you go. Send him emails and flowers and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Tim, what's your story, man? Like where did this all begin? How did you start helping people sell books? Well, you know, I kind of fell into it. I was doing, um, I was a freelance web developer, and um, at the same time, I was trying to get my own blog network uh, up and running and off the ground in the cycling industry. And so, cycling like bikes? Yeah, like bikes. Oh, so nice. mainly, mainly mountain biking, mm-hmm. and then uh, bike commuting. And so, I had to learn how to get people to pay attention to what I was doing online uh, to make those sites worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing both. I was uh, developing websites and being the nuts and bolts guys, but I was also getting training as uh, doing online marketing. And for a while uh, there, I became that became a pretty hot commodity. You know, you mm-hmm. back up eight or ten years, and somebody that understood online marketing and could actually build a website were few and far between. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I started just doing web developing and uh, helping pretty much any company or any person that needed me and could pay for it to do online marketing. And so, uh, so I jumped into that and I was picking up all kinds of clients. And then I finally uh, started picking up some author clients and just really enjoyed the work and really uh, enjoyed just the fast pace of it, the uh, how quickly we can make things happen, uh, the impact I could have on their sales and uh, I've always been a big reader uh, and always, you know, enjoyed uh, learning through nonfiction and reading mm-hmm. fiction and everything. And so getting to work with authors seemed like a dream job. And so yeah. I just focused my company on that. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's very cool. So how long ago was this when you when you decided to make that pivot from web designer, mountain biking guy to book selling master? <laughs> well. It was, you know, it was a, these things, you know, looking back, looked like I had this grandmaster plan and mostly it was just fumbling around. And so the bike stuff wasn't working. So I had shut that down and sold off some of the sites. And then I had just uh, been picking up more and more author clients. And then about eight years ago, I decided like, that's what I wanted to do full time. Mm -hmm. And so then I focused my firm on that. And really the, the only you know, outward change I made is I went onto my website and where it said web design and development, I just put four authors on the end. And that, <laughs> that was the big change. Well, but I, go ahead. I think what, what worked there is you just suddenly focused on a niche, right? Boom, niche and success. So that's a lesson right. to everybody. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. And so that was it. And then, um, and then I just focused all of my energy on trying to figure out the best way I could help authors and, uh, and started working with authors and learning. And then the book came from that and everything mm-hmm. kind of came from that. So who'd you work with in the beginning that helped teach you these basic fundamentals for helping authors? Well, so um, the first author I worked with that had a big impact on me was Ramit Sethi. I worked on his book launch um, for I Will Teach You to Be Rich and saw for the first time how powerful an author could be if, if he just built his own community. Mm-hmm. And so, how, how was he powerful? Well, he basically had a huge email list and had... What's, what's a huge email list? Sorry to keep interrupting. <laughs> well, it's... I mean, it depends on what I don't rem- honestly remember what his was at when we launched. That was long, so long ago, and I, <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it, it, it's hard to say what a large email list is because you know, some I have friends that have hundreds of thousands of email subscribers, and they would say an email list of ten thousand is small. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, my list is at fourteen thousand, and mm-hmm. I do just fine with that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, so. You know, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish um, and how engaged everybody is. So I just say, like, your email list should always be growing. You should always be looking for ways to um, get more people engaged in what you're doing. Uh, but 
you know, if you're at zero, a hundred is like the great goal, you know, get a hundred subscribers. If you're at a hundred, get a thousand, you know, and there's always the next step up. Right. Right. So when did you write your first 1000 copies? It came out about two and a half years ago. And what led you to write that book? I basically just had so many uh, clients that were telling me I need to write this stuff down. And I had one client in particular that was just um, on me all the time about all the opportunities I was missing because I didn't have this in book form. Mm -hmm. And so um, I decided to write it and I thought it would be a piece of cake. You know, it's just like mm -hmm. I've been, I coach this stuff all the time. I talk about it all the time. It'll be easy to put together in a book. And it was just, an excruciating process. <laughs> so uh, it took me, I mean, actual timeline, it took me about seven months to write. Now I was probably mm -hmm. only writing about two or three months of that. But um, but so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to put down into a form all of this stuff I, could, I had learned that were the basics of book marketing because there's all this advice out there that is just, um, it's, well, a lot of it's just wrong, first mm -hmm. of all. Uh, a, well, a lot well, of it. Give me an example of some wrong advice. Pretty much anything people tell you to do with social media. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's all of this. Like, my, one of my favorite examples is this interview I saw with Gary Vaynerchuk, who talked about how if, uh, if a fiction writer would just create uh, Twitter feeds for each of the characters and tweet it on a regular basis about those characters, um, and then that would be the difference between 500 and 5,000 sales. And I'm like, that's just a lie. Like, oh. that's not like there's literally nobody that's ever done that before. Um, and he's supposed to be a social media expert. And so when you hear him talk, you assume he knows what he's talking about. But I've actually gone out and tested this stuff and it just doesn't work that way. Right. And so um, what I wanted to do was put into book form the basic framework of how good online marketing works for authors and how you can build a platform that will last a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of the advice out there um, is very tactic driven mm -hmm. and tactics come and go almost on a weekly basis that work and don't work. And so, but if you can learn the basics of how marketing works and how building a platform works, that can give you this um, foundational knowledge that will allow you to keep finding success long into the future. Yeah. Give me the basic one minute explanation of your book. Like what are the, the three major things that your book explains on how to build a platform? So the first thing is to redefine marketing. So I define market. If you look up the market, the definition for marketing in the dictionary, it's like this long thing that's in English but makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And so I redefine marketing as uh, creating long-term connections with people and then being relentlessly helpful. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen over and over in all the authors I've worked with and the companies out there and stuff is the best long-term marketing is to create long-term connections with people and to be relentlessly helpful. And then all of a sudden, that picture we have of the used car salesman trying to shove a car down your throat as like marketing guy, um, that disappears. And now it becomes, oh, I, I can just help people. That's what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing would be the three-part framework that you have to have as an author is you have to build permission, you have to put out content, and you have to do outreach. And so permission is being connected with people in a way that you, you, that you can get their attention and drive action. And so um, I go much deeper into this, of course, but that's where you know, social media falls down on that. And email marketing is the best way to have a long-term connection. So you have to have a, a connection with people. So when you have something new, you can get their attention and actually get them to do something. Mm -hmm. Then you have to put content out. And content is how people get to know you, get to connect with uh, your writing, your content. And then lastly, you have to do outreach, which is simply moving people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. Mm -hmm. And so if you do all three, you see it kind of creates this path where you move people from not knowing you exist, to knowing you exist, and then they get to know you through your content. And then they give you permission to stay in contact with them long term. Mm -hmm. And now you're building a platform. And what's nice about that is each one of those steps, you can do a hundred different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, you just have to do each, each part of it. Mm -hmm. And so that allows you to kind of calm down where if you're thinking like, oh, I have to blog. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. What are you trying to accomplish with your blog? Are you trying to do outreach? Are you trying to do content? You know, is that the best way to do content and outreach using a blog? And now you can have an actual good conversation about what you're trying to accomplish instead of this kind of asinine question of whether or not you should blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're qualifying it. So give me, um, give me an example. Uh, or sorry, let's back up. Why is a mailing list so critical to an author's success? Like, what, why, why? So you say social media. There's social media. Then there's mailing lists and, and other other channels for talking to people. Why is a mailing list the best? Because it is currently the best way to get people's attention and drive action. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I try to really get people to see is all of these things. Whether it's a podcast, it's a blog, it's an email list, it's social media, whatever you can come up with. They're all just tools in a toolbox. And it is not about the tools. It's about what you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And so I want to build permission. That's the goal is I want to be able to be connected with people so I can stay in contact with them long term. Now that I know that, I want to reach in my toolbox and get the best tool for that job. And Mm -hmm. right now, the best tool for that job is email lists. It's not Twitter, it's not Facebook, it's not blogging, it's not podcasts. And I don't want to go through each one and explain why, sure. um, although I could, and I love that conversation, but it tends to bore people. Um, but uh-huh. email list is, you know, I've tested it over and over with just, you know, just literally millions of readers. And give that's me, what- give me a quick stat, like conversion rates, and then we'll end it there. Conversion rates on Twitter versus mailing list. Like, what do you, what can you expect? So um, I actually, tested this um, with a launch I did for Dan Pink. And what I found was that in somebody that has subscribed to your email list is 12 times more likely to buy a book than somebody that has followed you on Twitter. Wow. Well, there you have it. <laughs> no, there's no need to go into each of them. I think that's that clearly demonstrates how powerful email is. Um, so you, you've, you've written your first 1000 copies and you also have author programs, right? Like what do you, what do you offer besides, uh, you know, your book? Well, I'm just constantly looking for ways to help the most authors with the knowledge that I've gained. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've tried to come into this entire process of learning, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff until I just started messing around and learning it on my own. But the difference of me and most people is I got to mess around with hundreds of author platforms and millions of readers. Mm -hmm. And so I got to test ideas over and over and over in the real world to see what works and what doesn't. And so then the question becomes, well, how can I get this information out to the most authors in the most, uh, you know, the most helpful way that would allow me to keep doing it? And so I have the book, I do... Uh, tons and tons of content on my website for free. Uh, and then I have programs. Um, my most popular one is Launch a Bestseller, where I basically walk you through everything I do um, to launch books on to the bestseller list. Um, but I also have a, a product called a Productive Writer to help you finish a book in 90 days. Mm. I have uh, a product um, that I'm in the middle of revamping now. It was called Instant Bestseller. I'm probably going to change the name of it, but it's basically goes it deep dives into how to build an author platform. Um, you know, authors have paid me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to build their platform. And so we're going to teach you how to do it on your own. Um, so basically any piece that we, that I come across that I feel like I can uh, speak to it, um, and, and with an expert knowledge that few people can, and that um, I can teach in a way that I think will actually help people. Mm-hmm. What um, for for say the novice author, the 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 budding author, the guy or or girl that has no platform? What would be the number one piece of advice you would give them to get them started on this path of developing a platform? The easiest, least friction bit of advice. So. The, the first thing to do would be to start an email list and um, just do everything you can to get to 100 people on the email list. Mm-hmm. Um, invite your Facebook friends, invite your Twitter friends, invite your family, invite your early readers, invite your friends. Like, Just do whatever it takes to get to 100 people on the email list. And what that will do is start getting you in the mindset of um, making that your goal because my entire goal for everything I do online 
for marketing is to drive people to an email list. In fact, if you go to my website and just browse, if you're thinking Tim wants people to sign up for his email list and then you browse through my website, you'll see it's extremely hard to spend time on my website and not end up on the email list. Mm -hmm. And so, but I've gotten much more sophisticated at it where when you're just starting, just get used to asking people to join your email list. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next thing is start um, experimenting with putting content out. Um, If you're writing nonfiction, um, if you're writing nonfiction content, then I would just focus on writing long form content. Um, You know, there's way too many people writing two and 300 word blog posts. We need more people writing 3,000 word in-depth blog posts on a particular topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that work for me um, really, really well. And actually, there's I'll point you to a podcast episode. If you go to Tim Ferriss's podcast, yeah. um, and he mostly does interviews, but uh, there's a few where it's just him talking. And there's one where it was like a Q&A and he's sharing how, to, how he would grow his audience from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just golden content. And, and I would go and listen to that. He goes into much more depth than I am here on how to do it. Um, and then start getting used to doing outreach. And my favorite thing to have authors do uh, when they're first getting started with outreach is to be an interview on a podcast. Um, <laughs> it's just so, there, it's such a win-win because there's so many podcasts that need guests. And yeah. so when you offer to be a guest, you're offering to help them. You're not offering to take something. Um, and then on top of that, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty easy ask. You can just say, Hey, you know, I, I listened to your show. Uh, I, I think I'd be a great guest for these three reasons. Um, what do you think? And most of them are going to say yes. And then you don't have to write anything. You don't have to prepare anything. You literally just get on a Skype call and they ask you questions and you answer the questions. So mm-hmm. um, I find that it's the um, easiest kind of entry into outreach. But if you'll see what I'm saying, I'm basically getting you to take little steps on each three parts of the framework. You know, you want right. to start building your email list. You want to start putting content out. And you want to start doing a little bit of outreach. Um, and you'll get better at each of them over time, but you have to get started and get started moving. So that's what I tell authors to do when they're first getting started. Yeah, that's great. So well, do you have any new books coming out? Got anything in the queue? <laughs> no, I do. No, uh, I'm, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on a book. Uh, that basically is the launch of how I launch a best best-selling books. It's uh, teaching the framework. Um, it's going to be pretty short. It's probably going to be about 15,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, I like but, short. Um, I think short yeah, is phenomenal. I'm, I'm kind of fast tracking it. I want to get it done here pretty quick. So I'm about uh, 3,000 words away from being done. Great. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, again, the idea is I just want... Um, it's to me, it's a follow up to your first one thousand copies because mm-hmm. your first one thousand copies is all about how to build your platform. But um, you know, I've worked with authors that have seventy thousand email list subscribers, and when it comes to promote their book, they're like, um, "Well, I send them an email the day that it comes out, telling them it's available, and that's all." <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you need to know how to actually use this platform that you spent all of this time and effort building to actually launch your book. And so I walk you through how um, the framework I came up with uh, a good five years ago or something. And uh, I've just tested it over and over with all the different book launches I've done. And it's put books at number one on the New York Times bestseller and it's on the New York Times list. And it's also done books that are, you know, got to the top of their category in Amazon. So it, it kind of tracks from new authors all the way to top bestselling authors. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a bit of proof there. My book got to the top of its list in, on Amazon. Thanks to Tim. <laughs> so... Um, I am hearing that you're you're writing this book to help authors write, but I, I know that's not all you're working on because I know you're on a podcast that talks about you writing some fiction and uh, what's going on with all that. Yeah, so that's the thing I'm doing that I'm most scared of. So, yes. uh, so I've been uh, I've been wanting to write fiction for years. I've written some fiction, but never published any of it. Um, and so I really, but I know it's it's not great fiction. And so 
uh, I, I write this stuff and then I read it and I'm like, God, oh, this sucks, you know? And, um, and so I just, uh, go ahead. What, what would you say has been your biggest struggle so far? Your number one biggest struggle writing fiction. It feels like, um, I, this is probably a horrible metaphor, but it feels like I'm like <laughs> hand wrestling the blob, you hand know, hand wrestling the blob because you just can't grab any of it you know it's like you start to feel like you're wrapping your hands around part of it and it just like oozes out of your fingers interesting and so this idea so when i write nonfiction, so when i wrote your first 1000 copies and i've been pleasantly surprised how much easier this second book is coming like i planned it out and it's yeah. actually working you do get better and, at it <laughs> and so, but it's so much to me it's so much more straightforward because mm -hmm. um it's like you know, here's the argument I'm making, you know, you start here, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and now we're done. Yeah. And so um, where fiction is like, I just um, could not wrap my head around like story arcs and character development and like, um, you know, how to start your story. Because I, I like wrote um, about a third of a book and had somebody read it and they're like, Dude, it was boring for like the first four thousand words, and I'm mm -hmm. and I read it. I'm like, I don't know why this is boring. I mean, it is, but I don't know why. Right. And so, um, and so I just, it was just, and it was, it just seemed so big, you know, like there was no like one thing, like if I, again, if it felt like I was um, wrestling this thing, where like I would say, okay, I'm going to focus on this piece and get it, and then the whole rest of it, it would just ooze out of my hands. And so I wanted a way, um, you know, I don't like to, I, I have a, a firm belief that you don't have to suck at something for 10 years before you get good yeah, at it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that too. And so- Have you I read just, Smart Cuts? Um, By- um, This is going to, I know this is going to sound really snooty, but I know what it's, like I've read a bunch of reviews of it. I've read like- uh, the in, ins and outs of it. I had it's sitting on my nightstand. I've never yeah. read it, but it is that, that idea. And I, so when I started this, I just wanted to find like what there's gotta be some way that I can shortcut the failing for 10 years thing with writing. And so I had remembered that, um, one of the guys that bought my course and had emailed me about a year ago was this guy named Sean Coyne. Oh, so that's how um, you found out about Sean. Okay. Yeah. And cool. so, um, and I already knew who Stephen Pressfield was through War mm -hmm. of Art and, and his other books. And I had heard of Sean because they were partners um, and he was his editor. But uh, so anyway, I, um, I had uh, talked to Sean about a year ago uh, and then... And then, so I just emailed him and said, look, I'm, I'm looking to write fiction. Can I just uh, pick your brain for a little let, bit? Let me, let me stop you real quick. Now, at this point, had you read books on writing fiction? Had you tried to, to better the craft through other means? Or had you just immediately had this brilliant insight to go find the guy that wrote the book and team up with him? Well, so, you know, I've been dabbling for years. And sure. so, like, I've read on writing several times. Yeah. And I've read like um, by Stephen um, King. It's a great book. I, and uh, I'm trying to. I got my bookshelf here, but I can't see it. I've read like two others, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's kind of been random. Like I've never actually like okay, now I'm going to write fiction. And mm -hmm. so a few months ago was when I made that decision. Okay, now I'm going to write fiction. And Sean's just the first guy that popped in my head, and I had bought his book when it came out. So it's mm -hmm. like collecting dust on my desk. And so I started reading it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm looking for. Like, this yeah. is, this is it. And so that's when I reached out to him. And, you know, if I have a secret to what little success that I have gotten, it would be this. It is, I have found like, you can read books, you can, uh, you know, you can listen to podcasts and I do all of those things. I'm constantly reading, constantly listening, but there is no replacement for coming up against one problem, finding somebody that has solved that problem and getting them to give you advice. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest advancements in my career has been when I kind of ran into this problem. I found one person that I know has solved the problem and I just say, 
What do I do? And then I literally do whatever they tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so, empty the cup, empty the cup and let them, let them yeah. fill it. Sure. Yeah. And so, um, and that's, uh, uh, you know, it's worked, uh, and it, and I think it works so well because I have gained so much kind of like overall knowledge, you know, all of this reading, all of this learning creates this kind of stuff for me to pull from where like one good piece of advice, what, what I found it's actually doing for me is it's, um, it's cutting through all of the decisions, Mm-hmm. Right. So this, when I first wanted to sell an online course, I was just tied up because there's like, do, do, do you build your list bigger first and then launch it? Do you launch it first and then build it? And then <laughs> you do it for $50 or $3,000 and should it be in person? Like all of these, like just myriad of questions you have to decide on. And so I called a friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in a while, but I knew, knew how to do this. And he's like, all right, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, mm-hmm. boom. And I did it and it worked, you know? Mm-hmm. And so with, with fiction, it was the same thing. I read the book and, um, and I'm like, let me just see if they'll talk to me. So we got on the phone and my goal of the conversation was to get on the phone and say, okay, Sean, um, what are three books I need to read and how should I get this started? Like, um, I, I only want to take like 20 minutes of your time. Well, He's such a story nerd. Yeah. We end up just like talking about story for like 45 minutes. And I I literally, I was sitting with a pen and a piece of paper and never wrote anything down. (laughs) And, um, and then we started talking about story grid and what he was trying to do with it. And, and he charges just, I mean, he's been in the industry 25 years and, Mm -hmm. edited and written his own best selling books. And, uh, you know, and so his fee is beyond what I can pay to hire him as an editor mm-hmm. for. Uh, and so, so I came back like a week later and I was like, okay, I got an idea. Oh, you want to grow the story grid. I want you to teach me how to write good stories. So we'll do a podcast yeah. where like, I'll just pepper you with all my questions. You answer them. I'll turn it into a podcast, put it online. Um, and, and then you're putting out this great content with only, you know, an hour's week worth of work a week. Besides, you like talking about stories, so it won't even seem like work. And so, uh, so he you went. You don't realize how like jealous and pissed off I am that I didn't come up with that idea myself. <laughs> like, where where was Sean Coyne when I first started writing? And I really wish that I could have shortcut through all this crap by doing just that. So smart. So, anyways, go on, go on. Yeah. So I think. Uh, we're we're always a few episodes ahead, so I get I lose track. I think we just released episode six, and mm-hmm. which was the hardest one for me because it was the one where, um, is that he, the one where he rips you apart? Yeah, oh, so, I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, <laughs> so I mean, imagine you're a new writer, um, you've gotten some advice, so you've written some before, but it all sucks, and then you've gotten some advice, and you write a scene. And you take it to your editor and then he records him ripping it apart and puts it online. Yeah. Like, you know, that's basically what happened. Cause before we got on the call, um, he's like, okay, you know, you, do you want to hear what I had to say? I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to know anything until we start recording. He's like, You're okay, very brave. <laughs> and I said, and I told him, I said, treat it as if you were my editor and we were having a conversation, so don't hold back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you know. <laughs> and so and then for an hour, he just talked. I mean, it was just game, but what it was so helpful, and we've already gotten a lot of feedback on yeah. from people that have listened to it. Yeah. Is like um I made very common mistakes. Right. You know. And so uh he gave like this stuff that you can't get from just reading a book. You can only get when you actually watch somebody step through um, all of these common mistakes and have somebody of Sean's caliber actually pick it apart. Right. Um, but I remember, like, I got off that call and I was exhausted oh, because, yeah. like, oh, yeah. everything that he said, I'm thinking this is being recorded, you know, yeah. and like, uh, so you can actually go to storygrid.com slash podcast. It's episode six. And right below it, um, you can actually. Um, download the entire scene that I wrote, the draft that he was giving feedback on during the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, (laughs) 
All right. So for, for people that don't really know what the story grid is just yet, like, can you give it a, a brief synopsis of, of what the story grid walks a writer through and how it helps them in their writing? Yeah, so it is uh, the the book is uh, the story grid. What good editors know, and Sean Sean uh, Coyne. That's C O Y N E. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sean Coyne is uh, he's been an uh, you know New York editor for twenty five plus years. Worked in trade publication for most of that career. Um, and by the he, way, I really like that guy, man. I, I really enjoy listening to hear him hear listening to his stories and listening to how he you know thinks through. The various uh, editing, you know, processes. It's really great. Anyways, go. Yeah, on. he he just okay. I'll keep going. So, um, so basically, he learned. You know, there's so many times where um, a book would come in and an editor was, editor would say, um, "This doesn't work," but but they can't explain why it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Yeah. And so, what he wanted to do was learn story structure. Yep. and figure out some sort of framework or methodology so that he could both um, write books that worked or help authors write books that worked. And when an, a book came across his desk that didn't work, he would be able to pinpoint why. And so then, so you learn about things like genre and uh, the, you know, the five parts of a story and the story arcs and, and um, the questions that every scene needs to answer and, you know, all, you know, every, you know, the inciting incident and the middle build and the, the crisis and the climax and the resolution and how those things are for your entire book and each act and each scene and like all this stuff that goes into writing a great story. And from a writer's standpoint, what I feel like it's doing is it's going to keep me from writing hundreds of thousands of words of crap. Yep. And it allows me um, to put constraints on it so that I can learn inside of a safe system. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's not only constraints, because I do believe that, but I also think that when you've written something and you're like, you know, I like this, but I don't love this. A lot of the times you don't know why. And you and it gives you like a set of rules or almost a set of a filter to, to run your to run your work through. And suddenly, you know, it'll bleep when it hits something that's not right. Like perhaps the inciting incident wasn't strong enough or, or um, you know, the scene didn't turn right and, or it right. didn't turn soon enough or something like that. Um, and, you know, I think that that type of inf- that type of filter and information is just that's the golden stuff right there. And if you haven't noticed, I'm actually a, a huge fan of now <laughs> i uh it's funny because you asked me to check out the podcast and and uh I, I i had a long drive ahead of me so I, I popped it in and and um i remember like listening through it and i was like oh my god for one i was just extremely jealous of you <laughs> I, I knew exactly <laughs> what you're doing and i was just angry but i couldn't help but to just fall in love with uh, the idea and both you guys you know talking to that stuff and um now now um i haven't finished the book yet but but i'm still working through it and uh yeah i can't recommend it enough i would just recommend it to somebody today um that's it's 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 yeah, truly, it's, a, it's truly great well it's been fun for me too because um i have been promoting my own stuff for so long it's been really fun to just do something that has nothing to do with me right so you can listen to the podcast and I think finally we recorded episode 10 last week. Um, I think I finally talked a little bit about what I do for a living. Mm, but you mm, can gotcha. go up through episode nine and all I am is Tim, the, the <laughs> struggling writer. You don't know anything about me. Yeah. And it, so it's just been fun to like support Sean and his mm-hmm. work and, um, and be a part of helping get the word out about this book that I think I think every writer should read this book oh, and yeah. take the ideas to heart because it'll revolutionize and it will help you fast track through all of that crappy writing. Yep. Time. What, when you had your scene ripped apart, what was like the number one t- takeaway you got from that? Like, what did you learn? What was the number one thing you learned? The thing that has stood out to me the most um, that it was very much highlighted in that episode, but probably through the entire thing is how um, I, I, and I think a lot of writers do this is um, two things. One is you're very worried that the reader is going to get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you tend to do all of these things to try to make sure you're not misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And 
on the Can you give me an example of, of, of what that would be like? What, what do you so mean? So you over-explain what somebody looks like or gotcha. you over-explain what people were thinking or mm-hmm. you... Um, you tell you try to do too much in a scene mm-hmm. um, so that they know exactly what's going on. Where now, since I've been doing the podcast, and I when I read, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like the the books I'm enjoying the most are the ones that um, drop me into the middle of something I don't understand. Right. Um, but as a writer, it gets very. Um, I get very nervous that people are going to misunderstand me or people are not going to understand or they're going to get lost. And what I found is um, I should actually start erring on the side of putting too little in Mm -hmm. and having an editor tell you to put something back in like that's, which is rarely going to happen anyway. Um, But it reminded me of this great um, point uh, and on writing that Stephen King makes where he's talking about, um, I forget which it might have been. I think bag. I know what you're going to say. I think I know um, the quote. <laughs> um, and it was about bag of bones, I think. But anyway, there is this whole part where he talks about what this guy did for a summer, uh-huh. and his wife read it and was like, "Why do I care? Like, just cut it out." He's like, "But nobody's going to know what he was doing all summer." And his mm. wife's like, "Who cares?" And so he cuts it out, and he's like, "After millions of copies sold, nobody has ever written me and said, <laughs> hey, what was he doing over the summer?' You yeah. know, yeah." Um, that wasn't, really, the, that wasn't the quote that I was thinking, but but that's pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, and idea. so we just uh, and it came to light too. I was I just read this book, and we discussed this on the show. I read this book called Bird Box, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, it's about um, people aren't they can't open their eyes or they'll die. Basically, that's like the short version. And the writer did this really great thing where like he explained almost nothing. Like, I don't know, I don't know how the room was shaped that she was in. I don't know, like, what she was, like, there was, like, all these things, and it it actually drew me in, because what Mm -hmm. happened was, is I backfilled it with my own experiences. Sure. So, it's this horror novel, and it's about, like, kind of being afraid of the dark and that kind of stuff, and so, what, what, since the writer didn't tell me what to be afraid of, I took all of my own personal fears and put them into the book, yep. which made it much more scary. Yeah. And so I have, that was, that's been the most surprising thing to me is um, to, to not say so many things, to leave right. a lot of stuff out, let all, you know, trust the reader. And I, that I'm starting to do that even with my nonfiction writing yep. is I'm trying to, have you read, did you read the first part of uh, the the new book I sent you? The launch. Of the I read celebr- through about uh, the first ten percent of it. And, okay, uh, that's sorry. all. That it was that no that first story. Yeah, it, when you go you know, into Dan, where, yeah. where I'm trying to like drop you into this story of why is this guy on a train and why is he nervous? Right. And I don't tell you for a good five hundred words. Right. Uh, which normally I would open the book and say I was going to DC to pitch Dan on my book launch plan, sure. and then like kind of walk through it. And so um, I'm trying to just do this in lots of different ways. But that's been the most surprising thing mm-hmm. is I actually need to say less, explain less, and just trust the reader. Yep. Yep. I, I think great writers know what to leave out, and I think it's what you're not telling is is how the story actually is is created. And um, you know, if you've built an a, a world with vivid and an evocative language, you know, I think evocative is the key word there because you have to let the the reader, you know, evoke it in their on their own because then it becomes theirs. You know what I mean? And I think less means more. But it means the less that you do put into it, the, le- the the fewer words that you actually use have to be that much stronger, you know, and, and crisp and clean and clear. And, uh, you know, I think that's what great writers do. And that's why every word needs to tell. You know what I mean? Well, um, and as I began to write after, um, I tended to want to be in a hurry because I felt like I need to keep the reader interested. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm trying to draw things out more. Yeah. Um, Draw things out. And I think, you know, it comes down to pacing, right? So your scenes will, will create that pacing for you. So you have some wiggle room there when you start to think in units of uh, scene units, right? So you have all these scenes and they maybe take a reader um, anywhere between what one minute to three minutes to read. Um, you know, you have to have that turn. But in that time you got there, you can drag it out. You know, you can, right. you can. Uh, and yeah, so I, 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 I like the idea. And that's all in Sean's book. You know, the idea of thinking in scenes is really important. 
Um, I also, what I also really like about Sean is he does not really make, he doesn't really distinguish between like literary and commercial fiction. He's just like, it's all great. You know, there's just two camps. And uh, if you want to belong to one, you can, but you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm so of that opinion. Like I love, I love it when I find a novel like Lolita and he actually refers to that. And I just actually finished Lolita recently by Vladimir uh, Nabokov. And um, it was just the best book ever, you know, but it was, it was a, it was a great example of the, the melding between line by line literary style fiction and a phenomenal commercial like story, you know? Um, yeah, you, I, write, you, you, you seem to be definitely bending towards commercial fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my point, I forget which episode that might've been the first episode. We that, discussed I think that. that was the first episode. Yeah. You know, my biggest thing is, um, you know, in my work with book marketing, I, I run into these authors and I look at their book and, um, and I'm like, the odds of this book finding commercial success is really low. Yeah. Even if it's the best written book ever. True. Um, and so what I want people to understand is, you know, what am I getting into? You know, if I'm making a movie and it's this kind of funky French film, it's never going to make as much money as the next Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And if you go into it with your eyes open to that, that's totally fine. Do whatever you want. But what I've always gotten frustrated with is authors that are in the middle of writing a book that will have a much less likely chance of finding commercial success. And then they get angry that their book doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I feel like that's an important discussion and like, yeah, I agree with Sean, you know, write whatever you want, read whatever you want, but I want people to go into it with their eyes open so they understand what they're getting into. Yeah. Well, I think there's, I mean, I think there's a whole spectrum there too, right? There's, there's, you can, you can have a book that blends the two, you know what I mean? That you have an excellent line by line written novel that also complies to genre conventions and has the obligatory scenes, but they're done in some very, you know, candid or, or different way. And, um, you know, it kind of, it can flirt with that line and, um, or you can just dive right into just being straight up commercial and it doesn't, you know, the line by line doesn't matter as much. It's all about the story, the story, story, story. And that's totally cool too, you know? Um, well, but the, the point is, is that books without a good, without the story elements, right. Do not sell as well as a great. So here's the, here's the thing writers don't want to say. Nobody will, will likes to say, but a great story with shitty writing yep. will always out or not always, but will more likely outsell fantastic writing with kind of this vague artistic story. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, um, you know, when I like hang out with New York writers, they just mm-hmm. hate that, you know, yeah, the Iowa and, workshop people. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> Which uh, I love. They're great. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not like morally opposed to any of the types of writing. It's more like, you know, don't um, this kind of moralistic like such and such is better and therefore, you know, the unwashed masses don't. And it's like, whatever, like just make sure you know what you're getting into and that your expectations are set by what you're doing. Just just know the six people that will read your book, they better be super important people. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what I would say to them, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure they're the, the reviewer at the New York Times. Right. You know, yeah. So, yeah. So, are you gonna? What? How are you gonna approach publishing your fiction book? Well, I got to write it first, so we're we're working on that. And I mean, I'm just planning on self-publishing it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, unless some unicorn runs across my lawn with a six-figure advance, there's really no there's no uh, mm-hmm. point in me trying to traditionally publish. Are six-figure advances like? something that actually happens <laughs> oh absolutely i mean uh you know john grisham will get a seven figure advance for his next book you know so um yeah absolutely they still happen but it's uh the odds of a uh, first time fiction writer getting that kind of advance is probably pretty low mm-hmm. yeah about zero <laughs> right so yeah. i mean i'm just planning on self-publishing because uh, I'm not going to give up, you know, 
the vast majority of my royalties for a $5,000 advance. And that's even if, you know, I have to assume too, my first book is probably going to suck. So like, even I probably couldn't even get it traditionally published, even if I wanted to. Uh So, um, I mean, currently my biggest, uh, my biggest hurdle is writing it. And then I will worry about how to put it out to the world. But, uh, if I had to make a decision right now, I'd just be self-publishing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a fine idea. All right, Tim, before we wrap, I want you to tell me where people can find out more about you. So you can go to timgrawl.com. That's T-I-M-G-R-A-H-L.com or just you know Google anything close to that. Uh, and that's where if you're a writer, uh, which I would assume so if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> uh, that's where I have all my marketing stuff. So I have tons of free articles and resources and, um, and stuff to help you build your platform and sell more books. Um, and then on the craft of writing, make sure you check out everything Sean has done at storygrid.com. He's got the book there, but he's got just tons and tons of in-depth articles. And of course, the podcast is there as well. Mm-hmm. And to everyone listening, I cannot recommend uh, that podcast more. I, it, it's just so, it's so good. I really wish that I had it, you know, a few years, gosh, five years ago when I really started getting into writing, it's, it's clarified quite a bit and uh, you got to go listen to it. Just go listen to it. It's worth it. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're always a pleasure and a gentleman. And um, this was great. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. For more episodes and giveaways, head over to www.bleedinginc.fm. That's www.bleedinginc.fm. If you want to help me out even more, you can go check out my book, Modern Rituals, The Wayward Three, on Amazon today. And also, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a software guy and I make tools for writers. Check out jslauthor.com. That's for J.S. Leonard, jslauthor.com. There you can sign up for my mailing list, get free tools, and all kinds of awesome stuff. Thanks for listening. See you next time.